the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back to the Dan Prof Show. I'm John Hinderocker from Powerline, filling in for Dan tonight. And we are joined now by Christian Toto. Christian, thanks for being on the program. Oh, my pleasure. Christian, you've got an article at uh, Just the News, which is, uh, it relates to, to what I think is one of the most important things going on in America today, honestly, and certainly top of mind for many conservatives, and that is the the obvious bias that is being shown against conservatives by the major social media platforms and other tech companies as well, and the question of what to do about it. Yeah, you know, I think this is something that's been on the mind of conservatives for quite some time, and maybe a few years ago people were skeptical, maybe people thought uh, those complaining about it were being outrageous or exaggerating claims of being shadow banned or finding their their digital reach throttled, but it's, it's so obvious now. It's so, it's so clear. And you know, in, in most of the work I do involves Hollywood and I see celebrities saying the nastiest, meanest things possible, uh, personal attacks, uh, racially tinged comments, sexually charged comments, and they rarely have ever suffer any sort of big tech punishment by the, you know, heaven help you if you're right of center and you share something that does kind of goes against the group think, you'll hear about it, and then maybe you won't be able to talk about it anymore. Yeah, I, for one, have been kicked off Twitter. You know, I, I was never real big on Twitter. I didn't devote a lot of energy to it by any means, but uh, I uh, no longer have a, have a Twitter account. So, so what your, your piece at Just the News really focuses on, Christian, is, is the efforts that conservatives are making right now to try to level the playing field and really restore free speech uh, in... in, in um, what, what has turned out in, in 21st century America really to be the public square, which is these uh, social media platforms. And I guess maybe the starting point is the fact that for a long time, a lot of people have talked about federal legislation, for example, revising Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act uh, as the solution, but that's just not going to happen. No, I don't, I don't see, unless I'm missing something, any momentum on the federal level to make any sort of substantial changes that would protect the rights of conservatives to speak more freely. Uh, you know, President Biden talked and talked about unity uh, the last few weeks. Uh, it's certainly a noble, a noble sentiment, but I think one thing that could really uh, give that measure some teeth is to work on this, is to say this is an issue, this is a problem. I, you know, I don't agree with my, my ideological foes, but I think they should have the right to speak. And uh, so that's not happening. So that's where the states come in and they can kind of, uh, you know, do what they want to do, attack the issue at, at, in different measures and see if that can create something that's, uh, that's consequential. You know, it's, it's, I, I suspect it's a uphill battle. I, I, and I think there's many factors that could be weighing in against the states, including the media, which I, I think that I think reporters are going to kind of frame this in a negative light, like it's unnecessary, like it's uh, uh maybe even just whining from the right. So I think there's a real headwind there, but I also think there's a, a lot of energy on the right saying we've got to do something so that hopefully that will help. 
When we come back for the next segment, Christian, we're going to talk about some of the actions that are being taken at the state level. But I want to follow up first on something that you said a moment ago. I mean, are you aware of any liberals other than Tulsi Gabbard, to her great credit? But are you are you aware of anybody on the left that's really speaking out here in favor of free speech? I mean, the ACLU, for example. Well, I think the only names that jump to mind are uh, liberal uh, journalists like Glenn Greenwald and uh, I think it's Matt Taibbi. Uh, they are decidedly left of center, and they've proven it without, through their, their careers. But they talk a lot about this issue, and, and, and good for them. I mean, you know, crossing the ideological aisle and saying this isn't right, and uh, and partly because they're being diminished as well. Glenn had to quit his own company because they wouldn't they wouldn't publish a story he wanted to write, not because it was factually inaccurate, because it didn't fit the narrative. So he's been awakened to the problem. And uh, but we need more people like like those two journalists. We need more people on the left to realize. This is something that's unacceptable. And until we get that, I think we're in trouble. Yeah, you're absolutely right about that. And you're right to credit those two guys. They really have been stalwarts in support of free speech. But also, as you point out, that's not true of the press in general. I mean, we we are living in this strange time in which, generally speaking, reporters and editors don't appear to be in favor of free speech. It's shocking. I think if you had deposited uh, us from, you know, 1985 to today, we'd think it was science fiction. But you, you see it in the tone, you see it in the coverage, you see it in the way that uh, free speech advocates are diminishing. Listen, I've covered Hollywood, and there was a movie, No Safe Spaces, a, a year or two ago, and the critical community hated it. They, they were aghast at it. They, they couldn't wait to slam it. And it was really just about saying, hey, we need more voices. We need more free speech. We shouldn't be clamping down at it, especially at the college level, where it matters so dearly. So when I saw that, I, I knew what was happening, and it's only gotten worse. Yeah, that's right. Um, so so just to frame the next segment, Christian, um, a, a number of states have begun to take action uh, at the state level to try to ensure free speech on behalf of their residents. And uh, a number of states have, have taken different approaches. And we're going to talk about, about that movement when we come back from, from this point. The Dan Proft Show. Welcome back to the Dan Proft Show. We are talking with Christian Toto, who, by the way, is the proprietor of a terrific website called Hollywood in Toto. You really should uh, check it out. And we're talking about the the assault on free speech that is being carried out by the major social media platforms and other tech giants of Silicon Valley. And and we're going to talk now about the actions that are being taken at the state level to try to restore freedom of speech to conservatives and and to others. Christian, talk about that a bit, if you would. Yeah, you know, I think one of the people really leading the charge is the Florida governor, Ron DeSantis. He's doing it two ways. I think he's using his bully pulpit. And I want to read a quote from him in a minute, because I think that's that that matters as well, but also he's trying to introduce legislation that would create a daily fine for platforms that are uh, censoring political candidates. And that seems a neutral statement, but I, you know, I think what we see on these platforms is that if you're a liberal politician, you're given more leeway. And if you're a conservative politician, you better be careful what you say, or, or there may be some, uh, you know, deplatforming going on. But this is what he said. And I, I think this is important because you really, you can't tap dance around the issue in 2021. He said, these platforms have changed from neutral platforms that provided Americans with the freedom to speak to enforcers of preferred narratives. And it's very true. And I think that for years and years, Republicans would 
really be careful about saying that the media was biased. They, they kind of wouldn't go there. And that I think President Trump helped change that. But I also think it matters when different politicians say big tech is biased. I, you have to say it, you have to speak it, you have to scream it, because otherwise you're just kind of uh, avoiding the real issue. And it's a first step. And I know it, maybe it's a virtue signal, but it's not like uh, the governor is trying to do something with teeth. Now, in your piece at uh, Just the News, I think you say there that about 18 states have, have introduced legislation in the current uh, legislative sessions that address this problem in various ways. I know there was a bill introduced in Iowa like day before yesterday, so I don't know, maybe we're up to 19 or 20. But, but can you just kind of summarize, Christian, for our listeners, what, you know, what are some of the approaches that, that various states are taking? Well, I think they're trying to empower citizens that they are deplatformed, that they can, they can sue for damages. And, and listen, it, it isn't just, uh, you know, Mary or Joe sharing baby pictures. There are many, many people who rely on the Internet for their business. I'm a solopreneur. Uh, you know, when I produce a story on my website, I've got to share it. I've got to use different platforms to get it out there. Otherwise, it's not going to have the reach and I'm not going to get the revenue. So, I mean, how many people have plumbing businesses or other, uh, you know, small businesses that are operating? Or maybe they want to run for office. Maybe they're looking at the local school board. And maybe they may be diminished by, by social media while they're, the people they're running against are, you know, have carte blanche. So that's why it matters. So I, I think that's one of the key things that we need to kind of, you know, if we can kind of punish the, the platforms on a specific level, they may be fearful and think, oh, my goodness, you know, what if more states jump in? What if this starts to impact our bottom line? And also these cases may get a lot of media attention, and that's a problem, too, for them. Yeah, so, so some states, I think, have couched statutes in terms of, anti-censorship and and that may work uh there's a problem there because as as people keep telling us over the last year or two private companies do have the right to censor as a as a general principle uh and that that's that's true uh the statute here in minnesota which which i had a hand in in drafting is couched in terms of anti-discrimination so what it does is to ban social media media platforms from discriminating against users or particular user content on, on the basis of race, sex, religion, or political orientation. It provides $50,000 in statutory damages plus attorney's fees for each violation. What do you think about that approach, Christian? Um, I, I, it's, it's hopefully a, a wise way to move forward, and I think it's the kind of measure that can appeal across the aisle where people say, well, that, that well, that certainly doesn't sound fair, and that sounds like something that we should all embrace. You know, for all the talk of diversity, I think diversity of uh, thought is often shoved aside, and maybe this will kind of, you know, right that wrong. So, uh, hopefully, that's a more, uh, more um, effective way to kind of go there. But I, I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I feel so nebulous. Listen, when this conversation starts, it's conservatives saying, "Well, you know, these are private companies; they can do what they want, or companies have the right to censor." But, you know, the, the, the sway they have over the culture is monumental. It cannot be overstated. And uh, if someone is unable to speak on Facebook or Twitter, they're diminished as a citizen in a way. And, it's, and that sounds crazy, but think, think it through. And, and even if it's just I can no longer share my thoughts on the political process on these major platforms, but my neighbor can. You know, that, that's significant. It, it, it really is, Christian. I want to follow up, too, on, on a comment that you made um, a few minutes ago about preferred narratives. And you're absolutely right. You know, these social media platforms have determined what they think is, it's not the truth so much, it's the narrative. 
And if you're if you're with the narrative, you can say anything. You can say the most violent, awful, disgusting things. It's okay. You're with the narrative. If you're not with the narrative, you're in trouble. And so I, it, mostly we see that in the political realm with discrimination against conservatives. But 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 there's also, for example, what we've seen with COVID-19, where, where uh, platforms like YouTube have, have banned anybody from saying anything that's not consistent with the current recommendations of the CDC and the World Health Organization. Well, of course, those recommendations have changed repeatedly. But this is an appalling example to me of, of suppressing free speech exactly at a time when, when, when vigorous debate is most needed. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. You know, Dr. Drew Pinsky has talked about this. He's been asking different doctors their opinions, trying to kind of suss out more information about COVID-19. And he was recently briefly taken down from YouTube for that reason. They, they determined that some of the doctors he was speaking to maybe didn't align with that group thing. But, you know, the, COVID, the pandemic is a perfect example of we need more information, not less. We need more debate, not less. And we don't know all the facts. We know more today than we did a year ago, but we're still learning. And when you kind of shut things down, then we learn less. And who is, you know, there, there's some YouTube tech guy or gal does he or she know more than Dr. Pinsky, who's been, you know, studying medicine for 30, 40 years? I, I mean, it's, it's, it's arrogance for one thing, but the next, you know, Andrew Breitbart, I, I, I miss him all the time and I wish he, he could be here to, to help us in the culture, but he talked all about narrative and narrative is one of the most significant, significant words you can possibly think about when it comes to the culture, the media, the, the news we consume. It, it's, it's vital to understand how it works and how it's uh, abused. Yeah, and I think I think COVID-19 is a great example because here's a brand new virus, a novel virus. And at the beginning, we knew virtually nothing about it, right? And if there's ever a time when you got to have, you know, open debate, multiple viewpoints, let's get some facts out there, you know, this would be it. And yet that's exactly what these uh, platforms tried to suppress. Christian Toto, thank you so much for being uh, on the program. And the website, again, is Hollywood in Toto. It's a terrific site focusing mostly on on culture and on, on uh, entertain, the entertainment industry, uh, and I recommend that you check it out. We'll be right back with more after this. Listen to podcasts on the show at danproffshow.com. 